Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Well, welcome to Passage to Profit, everybody, The Inventor Show. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, a full-service intellectual property firm, and we are so excited to be here tonight. I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not a lawyer, but I do work at Gearhart Law. We have Gene Marks here, who is a small business expert who will be coming on. We'll be interviewing him after Richard and I do a few IP stories, and then we'll have our presenters. So IP in the news, Richard, that one's yours. So IP in the news is... This is a little bit of information for you about the trademark office. They've recently reported that the number of trademark applications has actually gone down during the pandemic, which is in contrast to the number of patent applications that are being filed, which have gone up. And I guess if you think about it, new trademark applications are indicative of new businesses and new products being launched. And the thing with a trademark is is you don't have to file it before you launch. You can file it after you start using it. So you don't have the same kind of statutory deadlines that exist for patents. So Clearly, a lot of businesses are kind of thinking about their trademark strategy. They're trying to decide, well, what is the right timing for filing a trademark? And it's one of those business activities that can be put off for a little while. And so I think that that information is consistent with the business climate as it has been. So no surprise. But the advantage is that if you are filing a trademark, Since there are fewer trademark applications being filed, the ones that are filed are going through at a more rapid rate. And I think it's good that if you can take advantage of that quick examination by the trademark office, you should do that because that means you'll get your trademark sooner, your rights will start sooner. And so if you're in that category of business owner that does definitely want to file a trademark, now is a really good time to do it. Then we have our patent palooza. So I wanted to talk about this patent. I know that the caregivers have all been top of mind, and this one is for the caregivers in the medical community. It's by Linnaeus Medical. It's their third patent on this technology, and people who are older may remember or may not remember if you're in the hospital, you're sick, but when you're on an IV line, if you get up and start moving around, it could like rip out of your skin. Well, these are the guys that invented the breakaway IV line. So if you start flailing because what, you know, the drugs are making you hallucinate that they're giving you or whatever, then it'll break away instead of ripping your skin all up. So this was... That sounds like a great idea, but what happens to the medication if you rip off the IV line? Well, so I think that it minimizes the effects of the spillage of medication. So it says here, it purposefully separates to minimize the effects of the damaging force and to prevent patient bleeding and the spillage of medication. So this is kind of a COVID-related thing because a lot of people are in the hospital with IV lines, but it's inventions like these that you don't really think about when you're in the hospital. And these are inventions that are cool too, because it's kind of an add-on to something that already existed. So you can invent something by taking something and just making it that much better. That is our patent palooza. And this just makes it safer and probably more sanitary too. So thank you, Linnaeus. Absolutely. Now I have the honor of interviewing our guest presenter today, Gene Marks. He makes regular appearances on television and radio. He's a well-known columnist and expert on small businesses. He has his own consulting practice. He's been phenomenally successful. Really an honor to have him with us. Welcome, Gene. Thank you, Richard, for having me on. And by the way, for those of you guys that are just listening to this and are not watching this on Zoom, you have to watch uh, the Zoom video because both Richard and Elizabeth are sharing an earphone and it's absolutely adorable to watch. I just want to say, I think it's... <laughs> As you mentioned before the show, this is due to budget cuts, by the way. Yeah, it's the, yeah. So Gene, you're a small business expert too. You work with a lot of small businesses. What do you see going on right now? I feel like people are getting ready to bring back into action. What do you think? <laughs> I think people are getting ready to kill themselves. I mean, there's only so much Netflix you can watch before you're like, you know, we really got to get back to work. Uh, everybody is excited to get back to work. I know that. Uh, there was a recent Gallup poll that came out that said that uh, eight in 10 small businesses have either fully or at least partially reopened around the country. Uh, I mean, the, the businesses that were hit the hardest by far, of course, were restaurant owners and retail stores. The ones that pivoted well were the ones that were able to provide some type of other products through other channels. You know, if you're a retail store, you can sell online, or uh, if you're a restaurant owner, offer takeout and delivery and things like that. 
but it was a far cry from the profits. God, our biggest problem three months ago was finding enough people to work in our businesses, you know, and people yeah. rolling along. Now it's just, it's like it hit the fan. I think it takes a lot of energy to run a business remotely if you're not used to doing it. And yeah. the environment has been tough. I mean, you hear about people getting sick and having all sorts of medical problems. And there's every day on the news, there's new emergencies to kind of take all of that in and yet still stay focused on what you need to do, I think has been a real challenge. It's been a challenge for me. I'll tell you what I think the biggest issue I'm hearing from my clients right now. I mean, my company has about 600 clients and most of them are small, medium-sized businesses. So number one, everybody's terrified about liability. You know, as you're opening up your businesses, um, you know, you start telling your employees to come in, customers start coming in, and then God forbid somebody tests positive for COVID and they're like, oh, we got it because we were working in your place of business. I was fine when I was working from home and now I'm sick because I came into your office. Or same thing with customers. And it's a big liability issue and insurance policies don't cover this. I mean, the insurance right. industry pulled back from the whole epidemic thing with the last SARS so business interruption, things related to epidemics, they're, they're not covering. So it's a big issue. And I know Congress is going to be taking up that issue to try and limit the liability. But liability issues, are, I know they're big on the mind of a lot of my clients. And the other is just, um, what do you do about getting employees back to work that still don't feel safe or comfortable coming back to work? I mean, many clients have this issue with a few of their employees where they're just, we prefer to be working from home for the time being. We don't feel safe. We don't whatever. That's another tough issue. I mean, do you take a hard line and say, come to work or you're fired, you know, or do you, mm. you meet somebody in the middle and say, can we work something out? It's, it's not an easy question to answer. Well, I feel like at Gearheart Law, we gave up that fight long ago. <laughs> <laughs> you guys said, stay away. It's fine. It's work from home. It's all good. We've had remote employees for years, so this wasn't a huge change for us. And in fact, our employees that were in the office did not want to work from home but they had to. They prefer being around people. But to get the high quality employees that we needed, we had to go remote. With what we do, we can. We never need to meet a client face-to-face -face if we don't have to. Although some clients uh, prefer that. And uh, so we want to meet the needs of them as well. And Zoom does a pretty good job, but it's not quite the same thing. I think it depends a little bit too on the level of experience of the employee. Because if somebody's new, if they need to be trained, they miss a lot. If somebody has a lot of experience and really knows how to do a job and they're you know, comfortable working from home, they can be in that environment, uh, I think it, it works out great. But I, I do think that the younger employees are, miss a lot of experience just not being around in the office. I think the work from home thing, I think it's a bit overhyped right now. I think on the one side, for employers that did not adopt it, they were forced to adopt it to stay in business during this thing. And then suddenly they realized it works. All the cloud technology, the online applications, it really does. And we even, I mean, I, my company's a technology consulting firm and we, you know, and financial firm, and we've been telling our clients for years, you should have work from home policies, a lot of people resisting. And now I've got all these people calling me saying, dude, why didn't you tell me this before? This stuff is great. You know, we can have our people work from home. <laughs> so it, we've realized that one thing. So everybody's like, work from home, work from home, work from home. Um, I, like everything else in this world, you know, like the pendulum swings. And I think the smarter employers over the coming months and years um, will realize a balance. I, I think it's great to have somebody work from home a couple days a week. It's an essential benefit that you have to provide. And I think younger employees uh, rightfully so demand it because, you know, how dare they want to spend more time with their families and actually want to live a balanced life. Who, who does this think this generation is anyway? So to have them come and work from home is great. But I think a lot of employers, smarter ones, will realize we need to have some balance. So work from home for three days a week. We'd like to see your smiling face in the office two days a week because you lose that. I mean, my company has been virtual, completely virtual. We have about 10 employees, about a dozen contractors for 10 years now. And although my overhead is low, I am running the world's most dysfunctional company. You know, I mean, we don't even see each other as a group, you know, more than once a year. You lose innovation and you lose ideas and you lose culture and camaraderie when just everybody's spread out. So the social thing really is important. I mean, we're human beings. So I think there'll be a balance. I agree. And I do think that, I mean, we do use remote paralegals that we've never met and it does make it harder. We need that in-person contact occasionally. Honestly, you do feel closer to the employees that are there with you in the building. I agree. I've had people working for me for more than 10 years. 
sometimes I forget what they look at. It's just like it was before this, like back in January, December, like I was at a client and I bumped into a woman who has been working for me. She's at a contractor, not an employee. And I didn't recognize her. You know, I saw her, I think we walked by each other. She's like my contractor out there at my client. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's Chris. (laughs) (laughs) That's bad. But I I tell you one thing though, focusing on employees is your utmost of all importance. Focusing on cash is also very, very important. Taking advantage, there, there are many financing and funding programs that are out there that I think that businesses should be well aware of. And I still don't believe, we hear all about the Paycheck Protection Program, which is I think it's been a success and has been, you know, provided needed funding to a lot of businesses. Um, And even with the new changes is sort of a godsend for a lot of my clients. But there are other sources of funding as well, guys, that I think business owners should be aware of. This is a show for like inventors and I'm assuming startups. and, Mm -hmm. And so one thing I do want to get across is that the funding that people are saying like, hey, you know, I want to start up my business or I'm inventing something or, you know, I've got whatever. All the big funding options that are out there from the government and state and local you know places um are are really geared towards sort of existing businesses to keep them in business and to keep their employees employed and off of unemployment so i've had a lot of people on twitter come to me saying hey you know is there anything out there any good programs out there for startups because of the pandemic and you know my usually my 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 response is really no i mean the the loans that are out there are, are for you to stay in business, not to start up a business. Right. A lot of the loan programs did have deadlines. You had to show that you had been operating a business at least since uh, February. Correct. Uh, and so if you were still at the early stages, you may have qualified for some level of relief. But if you're just starting right now because of the pandemic, then it may be more of a challenge. Right now, there is money available and should be aware. There, there are a couple of secrets, though, that I just, if you do have, you are looking for financing for an existing business, the tax financings, if you have employees, the government is allowing you to defer your employer's payroll tax 50% to the end of 2021 and 50% to the end of 2022. Uh, that's that 6.2% FICA tax. That's like a big deal for a lot of it. It's like free financing. You can just push it off, you know, a couple of years. There's a big retention tax credit. I think the big thing that a lot of people aren't aware of is the Small Business Administration has got a thing with their loans. They have a what's called a Section 7A loan, which any existing business can apply for. You don't even have to have employees. Uh, so existing businesses can do that, but you can use it for working capital. You can use it for, if you want to buy property like real estate or a piece of equipment, you can use it to buy a business as well. And the deal the SBA is offering is that if you get one of those loans before September 27th, it's part of the CARES Act, you get your first six months of payments and interest forgiven. So if you get like a half a million dollar loan, you don't have to pay $33,000. It's just completely forgiven, which is huge for a lot of companies. It gives you thought if you need it for working capital or you need it to buy inventory or equipment or real estate, it's really, it's, it's a potential really big benefit. That's really uh, great information. And I appreciate you sharing that with our audience. If you got a PPP loan, are you still eligible for yeah. a loan? Yeah, you are. You can still get that loan. It's a separate loan program. You need to talk to a, a, you know, an SBA, Small Business Administration member bank. So if you've got a loan, you, you got it through a member you know, lender as it is. And the other thing you, you want to also consider is um, 57% of business owners today are part of the baby boomer generation. Business owners in this country are older than a lot of people think. The average age is over 50 years old. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of companies, a lot of business clients that I have that are like, this pandemic was awful. We went out. You know, it is time to sell our business. We've been thinking about retiring. And now, you know, and these SBA loans can be used to finance the acquisition of a business. What a lot of people are telling me in the industry is that there's going to be a big spike in business owners looking to sell. And uh, there's a lot of younger entrepreneurs and people, millennials that want to get into a business. And there's no better way, in my opinion, to start up a business than to just buy an existing business that already has some customers and it's got a little bit of, you know, takes you at least to put you in scoring position to start with, which you can then evolve into your own thing. And with this SBA loan program now, the benefits of the CARES Act, you'll get a big discount. Plus, if you buy assets, at least uh, for an existing business, there are tax benefits to do that too. So think about buying a business, um, even if it's small. It's a, it's a great time to do that. That's a wonderful idea because 
if you're an entrepreneur who wants to innovate, you can take that core and innovate away. Like I said, medical device thing, they didn't invent IV lines, they innovated on top of something that was already there. Yeah, it's such a, you know, people talk about starting up businesses, you know, and, and ask me questions about it. And like, come on, guys, it's like, it's 2020. I mean, most businesses have already been thought of by this point, right? We've had thousands of years of people running businesses in recorded history, at least. So the odd Facebook will come along or an Elon Musk. But for most of us that are starting up a business, there's probably something similar that's already in operation. And you know, rather than, you know, recreating the wheel, you know, if you have the opportunity to buy somebody else's business or buy equity in somebody else's business, controlling equity, and then you've, like you said, Elizabeth, then you've got, you know, sort of that infrastructure right there. And then you can bring your ideas to that and build on that. To me, it just makes more sense than just starting something from scratch where you've just got to build everything from nothing. So that should be considered. And again, there's just incentives out there to do that. It's an opportunity to get in there. I think there's a lot of business owners that are looking to sell they're exhausted by this whole pandemic. Uh, interest rates are rock bottom. There are financing programs available that can be collateralized by these assets that you're buying. So the bankers would be happy. You, know, you put it in the bank account at 0% interest, put it in the stock market and let some other CEO lose all of your money um, <laughs> or you can keep control of it, you know, and, and invest it in the business that you can, that you can control. And then the other thing, which is, I know it sounds kind of harsh, but there will be a lot of businesses filing for bankruptcy. You know, there are some that were just not managed that great. You know, when there's economic downturn, it creates opportunities out of the disruption. And it's kind of a good time to snap up deals. You don't even have to buy. If you're, if you're an inventor and you're just looking for lab equipment, you know, or you're looking for something for what you're doing, uh, you should be hunting and pecking around because there are probably plenty of companies that are, they're in distress. And they need the cash and they'll sell something at a significant discount. So keep that in mind because with, with the downturn, there's opportunities. Right. There's always those people that seem to be able to see the opportunities and get in there and make a fortune out of anything. And, you know, I think that's excellent advice if you want to be one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. This has been fascinating. Where can our audience find you? Best place is on Twitter. It's at Gene Marks, G-E-N-E-M-A-R-K-S. I'm happy to answer or any questions regarding the operation of your business or some of these loans that are out there or stuff like that. And if I don't know the answer, uh, I'll just make it up. So either way, you'll get something. <laughs> <laughs> what a great resource. You are listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WOR 710, the voice of New York with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Gene Marks. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, license, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, Gene Marks. Now's my turn to talk about this little project I started right before Speaking COVID. Speaking of startups. <laughs> so I started doing, somebody described it, I think, perfectly, kind of doing a mini passage to profit. But I started interviewing business owners and then putting those short interviews on a directory, a video directory, which is a website and also a YouTube channel. They go hand in hand. I call it Fireside for Fireside Chat. So Fireside Directory and, you know, Gene, I did not write the software for this. I, my, our website gal found me this software that just almost works perfectly. It's good enough for proof of concept. And I had somebody reach out to me and say, oh, I could write the software for you. Just give me thousands of dollars. I'm like, well, why? So I'm really taking a bunch of things that already exist and sticking them all together, but organizing people's business videos on a website and a YouTube channel 
And I originally was doing the interviews in our studio in Summit, New Jersey. And then, of course, COVID hit. And it actually kind of helped. I hate to say that, but people did not want to be on video. People did not feel comfortable. But then they all were forced to go on to Zoom. I was able to pivot and do these interviews on Zoom. And people are okay with that. I don't know if I'll go back to in-person or just do Zoom ones after this is over. I don't know. So I've been doing that and I've been collecting people and I've been getting a lot of people interested and excited. So the site is growing and there's so much work to do. I don't really know how I'm going to do it all, but... I've thought of some ways that I can maybe get some help from people because there's the tech piece. There's a huge tech piece, but there's also the interviewing piece and there's the social media or the marketing piece, as you know, and then of course the accounting piece. So every business has some sort of pieces like that, right? So as I grow it, I'm going to need to get help, but talking to you about the 7A program might help me. By the way, I was just going to say the, uh, you know, we talked about different opportunities when you have a downturn and for better or for worse, I mean, there's a lot of people that are unemployed. And that's a real bad thing. But the good thing is, though, is that, you know, Elizabeth, if you've got a little bit of cash and you can bring somebody on a contractual basis or part-time to help you, you'd probably be doing a very good thing. And I bet you've got your pick probably of some very talented people that are out there. So the opportunity out of the disruption. Do you think the 7A would help with that or am I not far enough along yet? It depends. You do have to have a history. It is for working capital, not necessarily for startups. So it would help with that. I mean, there are other funds for startups, both state and local. New Jersey has some startup, you know, some aid funds that are available for you. And again, it does come down to collateral. So there are, you know, like your bank, if you get like a working capital loan that could be collateralized by some personal assets, that's something that you you know, can consider. Again, it's capitalistic economy, so you need capital to build something like that. Right. We've been doing it on a shoestring so far, you know, bootstrapping. So we'll see That's what happens. Good. And now we have three presenters with us this evening. We can hardly wait to get to the pitches. Our first one is Anita Komiski, and I have had the extreme pleasure of receiving samples of her product, and I can give it my fullest endorsement because none of it's left. I've eaten it all. So uh, Anita, why don't you tell us what you're up to and tell us about your project? Well, thank you all very much. We really appreciate having the opportunity to share our story today. I'm the founder of Amelia Toffee and gosh, we are located here on Amelia Island, Florida outside of Jacksonville, and our conditions are very different than what you all are experiencing on the East Coast. I listened to Jean, and we have really been open for business for the last couple of weeks. The restaurants and bars are now at 50%, and I think we're probably going to go to 100% very soon. So our world is thousands of miles away from you. So some of what we're doing today, I know that you all will have the chance to experience in the next couple of weeks. We started Amelia Toffee five years ago. It started out as just one of those holiday businesses that I thought that I'd make some toffee and sell it to some friends and family. And I was fortunate enough to be part of a program through Jacksonville, and it's called Jack's Bridges Through the Chamber. And they opened my eyes that if I was going to put that kind of effort into a seasonal business, that I might as well turn it into a year-round business. And we all know that it takes just as much energy to run a seasonal business as it does a year-round. So why we're different is two things. One is that we are uniquely flavored toffee. It's all dark chocolate almond toffee. We like to say that it's tradition with a twist based off of my grandmother's recipe. And then we've really pushed the envelope on the flavors. We do everything from lavender to licorice to pineapple rum, you name it. And we've experimented with it. We're across the country now in 500 stores. We're on the shelves of Whole Foods. So within a very short period of time, we're feeling very lucky to have the customer base that we do. And just like everyone has, we've experienced some blips over the last couple of weeks and we've been reinventing and we came out with a product, reusable wipes with some sanitizing solution because we couldn't find wipes on the shelf just like 
everyone else. So we thought that we'd do something that was needed, that we personally endorsed because we were using it in the kitchen. And we have offered that to our customers. And as all of you have talked about, the revenue stream over the last couple of weeks has been challenging for small business. And so we were able to offer something that was unique and was well-received and kept us afloat. Well, I tasted it too. We started with the cherry. I've never seen cherry toffee before. And it's not like saltwater taffy. I don't even know if toffee really describes it, right? It's It's very different. Almond roca, kind of. Yeah. Almond roca, that's right, Richard. Um, Or score bar or heath bar. I am from actually Short Hills, New Jersey, so right down the street from you all, and grew up over at the Short Hills Mall. (laughs) And there was a very good specialty store there, and they carried a type of toffee called barracini. And my grandmother, thought that we needed to learn how to make that at home. And that was the start of all of this. So I have been making toffee for 50 something years. And yes, I'm part of that baby boomer generation that Jean mentioned. <laughs> I have a question. Um, Anita, I, you know what surprised me is that you said that your revenues were you know, a little short. I've been so bad at predicting what would be popular and what would not be popular during a pandemic. I would have thought that toffee would be selling off the shelves. You know, people are sitting at home just watching TV all day, munching your toffee. Why the shortage? Our internet business beat 2019 by the end of April. So our internet business was off the charts. Where we suffered was we are in about 350 small specialty stores scattered across the country. And those were shuttered. The Whole Foods did well. We're in Harris Teeter in North Carolina. That did well. But when you shut off a good portion of your business through wholesale, we certainly felt it. What we're feeling now is that the economy is starting to come back. We didn't lose any of our employees and were thrilled about that. And they were happy to return to work, especially with a product like ours. It's very important to have those that have a passion for quality and consistency. The same team that we had since we started, which is remarkable in a food and beverage business. So we're very grateful for that. Do you think you'll be doubling down on e-commerce based on what you found over the past couple of months? Great question. (laughs) Yes, um, we are featured on fair.com and one of the top suppliers to fair. We've added a couple more like Hello Abound, The Good Trends. We're trying to do more in the San Francisco, Chicago market. Oh, and this is interesting. One of the first big markets to come back for us was Dallas. And they have a big desire for sugar and we're happy to supply it to them. (laughs) So Nina, you say that you are considered fair. So Where do you source your ingredients and where do you make your toffee? We make it on Amelia Island and we source as many ingredients as we can locally. So we partnered, I mentioned all the flavors that we make. We've partnered with breweries. We've partnered with craft distilleries. We've partnered with a lavender company. So all the ingredients that we use, if they're not locally sourced, they're all natural. It all comes from the U.S. We also have a second production site in Savannah, which we use in the holiday season. We use a unique cooking process. We use very thin pots so that it heats and it cools very quickly. And since we're in Florida, we have to be very aware of the consistency and it can't be too hard because tons of those baby boomers are down here and we want everyone to keep their teeth. (laughs) So (laughs) we make sure that it's not an extremely hard to bite through. You don't have to fight this toffee when you're eating it. You're very easy to chew. It's a pleasure to eat. You're not cracking and chomping and and fighting it. It's very unlike anything I've had before. And your interesting choice of flavors is amazing. It's it's almost like craft beer for toffee. It is. And gosh, everyone wants different flavors and everyone is into flavor profiles and pairing. And we thought that this was the perfect place because frankly, with butter and sugar, anything pairs really well with it. <laughs> <laughs> there are very few things that don't. And we even did an Herbs de Provence. 
coffee recently for ladies' luncheon. And I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised that it was as good as it is. So butter and sugar are wonderful ingredients. So what do you think is the secret to your success so far? What has been the most important thing for your business to be successful? The food business tends to still be a relationship business. There's not a lot of technology on the food side. And I think it's maintaining those one-to-one relationships. Even though I stumbled with the Zoom connection today, people have been connecting. And as Jean was talking about, it's a great way of becoming more intimate. It's a much friendlier way of getting to know your clients. It's almost like they're coming into your living room or dining room. So from a supplier standpoint, customer standpoint, it's broadened and deepened our relationship. So I think that we had that before, but now it's even heightened and that we will be able to do very well. And one of the other things is our flavors are coming from our suppliers, our distributors, our customers. We respond to what they would like. And I think that that's something that's unique about us. Well, thank you very much, Anita. How can people find the Amelia Toffee Company? We are on Facebook and we're on Instagram under Amelia Toffee and our website is ameliatoffee.com and we'd love to share some of our goodness with all of you. And it is good. (laughs) (laughs) So this is Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt, our special guest this evening, Gene Marks. We'll be right back after this message. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth. Elizabeth Gearhart. I want some more toffee. <laughs> <laughs> we, I think we're we going to take a long break <laughs> and I'll be right back after I go home. So. Yes, the last presenter was Anita. Before her was Jean Marks, who's a small business expert who had some great advice, really good advice for getting money for your small business, small to medium sized business if you need it right now. So go back and listen. The podcast will be out and you can find it on the Passage to Profit YouTube channel. But now we're on to our second presenter and we have third presenters too. So all of these presentations are fabulous. These are all businesses that people want or need. And I just think this is fantastic. So now we have Jess Zeno with Omni. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Jean, what you're saying is so helpful. And to uh, Anita, I'm hoping to get some toffee as soon as I get off of this call. So I'm the founder and CEO of Omnico. It's a family care solution for corporate America. And what that means is I work with individual companies to build out and manage a safe infant care or child facility within the workplace with an adjacent wellness space and parent amenities so that working parents and bring their children back to the office as an employer-sponsored wellness benefit. So in 2015, I was working as a television producer and gave birth to my son, my first son. And as a person who worked her whole life, I expected to go right back to work. I was the breadwinner in my family. My parents were in New York, so I didn't have the family help. And it was a necessity for me to work. And I just, I was really surprised and disappointed that there was no support for a working mother executive in the public or private sector. So I created and co-founded the Jane Club, a shared workspace with on-site childcare in Los Angeles. And after two years of operation and several national Jane Club pop-ups in Texas and New Orleans, and a recent emergency childcare relief mission that I mobilized in Los Angeles in response to COVID, I'm now working directly with the companies to create a short or long-term family solution within the workplace as we begin to return to the office. That is fabulous. I wish that had been there when I had my kids. I, 
And I really feel like from things I've been reading and seeing is the companies that go above and beyond for their employees are going to be the companies that get the best people. Yes. I think that I'm using this not only for the employers who need to retain their employee, but also retain the cost. So for a woman or a man to leave on family and medical leave, it's essentially $90,000 per employee. And when it's an executive woman or man, it goes up 215%. So companies are losing upwards of 300,000, 500,000, sometimes in cases of a larger corporation, over a million dollars. So they contract with me to provide a safe return to the office with babies. What started as zero to 16 months, and as I said, an employer-sponsored wellness benefit. So the employer is now paying the financial burden for the parent, but that in turn is retaining cost for the employer. Retaining the cost, retaining the employee, and attracting the new employees. And then you have to imagine that for the employee, this is a beautiful social impact that will keep the parent with their child for that 16 months paid for by the company. So it is that financial and emotional burden that they don't suffer. And so that a woman doesn't need to say, am I going back to work? Where, how do I go back to work? How do I say I have to leave because my kid has X, Y, and Z? And I just, I'm, I'm so passionate about it because I am the pain point and that is what this business grew from. Is your business model to actually run the centers for the company? Is that what you're doing? So you're going to the companies and you're providing them with this information and you're encouraging them to set up the center and then your company will identify an appropriate location and take the steps necessary to actually put the center together for the company. Yeah, so I'm a third-party contractor or a vendor and I work with human resources mostly. And with human resources, we identify that space within the office that works, usually a conference room or an extra office space, or if it's a large office, it might have a floor. So we work with general assumption, a thousand square feet, and Omnico comes in and refits with an architect the space, so we soundproof it and create the infant care facility or children facility with an adjacent, as I said, wellness space so that a parent has time to either just stop down as they return to work. It's a gentle return to work. You can breastfeed in private. You can just take a time to maybe close your eyes while you're sitting at your laptop. We know as new parents were exhausted, as parents were exhausted. And so I manage that space. Omnico manages the space. We hire the caretakers. We insure, we permit, and we manage. So it is a contract much like a valet or a an on-site gym, we are on-site family care. So Jess, there are a lot of incentives to, there are so many incentives to employers, but some of the bigger ones are also some, some tax deductions and credits that they get for doing that yes. as well. Are you familiar with all of those? Yeah, there's so much benefit to actually integrating this. And I think that corporate America is so fast and moving so fast that they don't stop down to say, oh, we can actually do something like this for our employees and our future employees. So it really is a plug and play and it's innovation, it's disruption. And certainly in this time where we have to figure out what the new normal is for the workplace in a post-pandemic world, I think that um, I'm in a unique opportunity. This is an entry point for me. So you're mostly dealing with larger companies, would you say, like corporations? I mean, do you have many clients that are smaller businesses, say less than 200 employees? I'm in Los Angeles, so I'm having a conversation with a well-known production company who wants to integrate this onto their production facility campus. And then I'm having conversations with large hospitals who want to integrate it into their 13 SoCal locations. A lot of small companies have these needs and they can't afford to do it themselves or maybe they don't have the space. And it would be great as your business evolves just to come up with a model where maybe like a few companies in a corporate center or in a co-working space could share the costs of doing this. I think there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential there. So in terms of running these centers, what kinds of things have you learned about being sort of in the childcare business, I guess, is a way to say it. What are some of the key learnings that you'd like to share with our audience? I think that people are really wanting to find that balance between work and life. And it shouldn't be a question whether a young woman wants to start a family and have a career. And so I find that people who take 
part in this business. It's a sigh of relief. I really see that sigh of relief. I've seen women cry because they feel like they now have a sense of support, a nurturing sense of support and an option. I find that people really love their children and they want a safe space. So we have to ensure the highest safety and comfort for children and make sure their children are being enriched in some way and not just in front of a a tablet. But really, I mean, again, as I said earlier, I'm working from my own pain point. So this is really for the nurturing and support of the working parent. Like, I love the kids, but like, I'm trying to do it for the moms, really. (laughs) I think there are a lot of dads that would like more time closer to their kids, right? And also, it's not so much that the kid is sitting at the desk. There is a separate space. It's soundproofed, so there's no disruption at the office. And the parent can dip in or dip out whenever they'd like. The idea is, though, that you don't have to rush out at 3 o'clock or call in three times a week if you're not working. Or there's a multitude of reasons to be able to now balance your work and family life that can work successfully within the workplace. Do you have any data yet on employee retention? or cost reduction or is this too new for that yet? Too new for that but there are businesses doing it so someone like a JP Morgan who has something on site retains 110% of their employees through this program and another company is Patagonia that has for many many decades and years been actually having an on-site uh, child care program. This is um let's talk about COVID now I mean how is all of this going to impact your model as companies are bringing back people? What's going on in LA by the way I mean is Is LA open for business now? No. So we are fully still shut for business. I'm right central Los Angeles. My neighborhood is boarded up. It's obviously significant for everyone and for the country. And here we're really feeling it in Los Angeles. So we're closed. My sister is also a founder of a company in New York. And when COVID hit, she said, how can you use your resources and expertise of Omni to support the essential workers? And so I launched a GoFundMe campaign and raised several thousand dollars to create an emergency child care center, a drop-off center that provided me free child care for the essential medical workers. And we did that for the month of May. We gave free child care to the doctors and nurses to the local Los Angeles hospitals. That's amazing. Thank you so much for doing this, Jess. Oh my gosh, you are truly a visionary. And I hope that all these companies jump on board with you because what a difference for parents. Thank you. We're at Omnico, which is A-H-M-N-I, Omni.co. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. Jean Marks, Jean, Elizabeth, and I will be back with our next presenter right after this message. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And for our third and final pitch this evening, we have Marty and Brent Michelson from the company Go Chuckle. Guys, take it away. Thank you, Richard and Elizabeth. Uh, We are... Marty and Brent Michelson, we're brothers. Uh, Marty has a strong computer background and I have a background in finance. We're both dads and uh, my kids love watching cooking and baking shows. And that's really where the idea for Hasty Baker was born. We saw this niche to fill, a chance to make a game that simulates a baking competition. And so that's what Hasty Baker is. It's a race to collect ingredients to complete your recipe before your opponents complete theirs or before they sabotage you by spoiling your ingredients, stealing ingredients, forcing you to make a double batch or something like that. From cooking shows, I see. <laughs> Our daughter <laughs> loved those shows. We my kids. They love those shows. And so officially, we started our business, Go Chuckle, just over a year ago. Then in September of 2019, we launched a Kickstarter campaign, and it was very successful. By mid-December, 
we were able to get our game Amazon and selling for the last part of the Christmas season. Everything's been going great since then. Now, in addition to being available on Amazon, Hasty Baker is also available in a handful of stores in the Northwest and through our distributor, it's also available throughout Canada. As a company, you know, our goal is to make lasting memories off screens. We love to add some elements of value to the games in a way that's still fun for kids and adults. And we plan to continue doing this as we work on future games. It's really just our passion to create these things that bring people together, to have fun together. And it's been a lot of fun for us too. And I guess you're chuckling all the way to the bank as well. <laughs> <laughs> I looked on your website, I have to admit, because I was very curious what this was. And you have coloring books. You're really expanding this out, too. It looks really fun. You said all ages. Is this more like a family game, everybody getting together? It's meant to be for the whole family. We really wanted to make a game that was not just Candyland or whatever, where the kids want to play and the adults, okay, I guess I will. <laughs> um, this is really fun for the whole family. We say on the box, it's ages seven and up. But uh, honestly, we've had reviews and comments from people saying that their kids as young as four pick it up pretty quick and can play. There's ways you could modify the game, taking out the strategy cards and stuff to make it even simpler. So we try to make everything in the game, the graphics and all the you know, illustrations, very fun and colorful. So the kids love it. And it's not a game of chance. There's a lot of strategy involved in making your recipes. And we had one uh, reviewer leave a comment saying that even for her very, very young children, she would pull the strategy cards out and just make it into a game of memory because the illustrations are just so fun that that was a way that she could really make it for even her smallest kids to just still enjoy it. How did you guys get into this? Are you guys both cooks or bakers or uh, just eaters? <laughs> <laughs> well, it really started because uh, when we were watching some of those baking shows with my kids and kids baking championship, my daughter wants to be on there someday, you know, and then we were thinking about it and it's like, this sounds like a game where you have to collect your ingredients to score the recipe and then somebody plays a double batch and now you have to collect double the ingredients or somebody spoils your ingredients so you have to play it again and it just felt right and we kind of looked around and there wasn't anything quite like this out there so we created it and started playing it and it was a blast. Have you ever thought about approaching the Food Network? I mean it's out there and if it's a game based or kind of close to one of those shows maybe they do have an interest in partnering with you helping to Absolutely. distribute it. It's all fun and games but um, are we making any money at this? Do we have day jobs to support ourselves? How is this all working? We, we've actually been doing really well. You know, usually in the game industry, the Christmas season is like what funds Everything. the entire year, you know, and then you have slow sales throughout the rest of the year. But unfortunately for the pandemic, but fortunate for us, a lot of people are at home and they need things to do. And this is a positive thing that, you know, is fun, brings the family together and can kind of take your mind off the bad things. And so we've actually seen decent sales throughout this, enough so that we had to uh, get an order in earlier than we thought for more games to stock up in Amazon. We're coming to the end, but I just want to ask real quick. So did you do GoFundMe where you took pre-orders and then used the money to make the game? Yeah, we did that through Kickstarter. We had a one-month campaign where the people could back our project. And then at the end of that month, we took that and, you know, we already had it planned up who we were going to use, how we were going to get them produced. And we just took that at the end of the campaign and just told the producer to go with it. So you had the funds before you really did a full-scale production, which is the best way to do a consumer product if you can. I'm just wondering too, can you actually cook these recipes at home if you want to? <laughs> Well, we don't recommend putting like a, a bag of sugar in with a <laughs> sack of flour, but um, they are based off of real ingredients. So what's your website? Where can people find this? Hastybaker.com. And uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. But yeah, you can go to hastybaker.com and get the link to the Amazon page, which is the main place that people can get it all over the country. Our illustrator did such a fantastic job. The pictures are just so fun that we told him to go ahead and draw them as coloring pages as well so that we could make that available to people. And our entire coloring book of all of these great illustrations is available for free on our website as well so that people have something that their kids could do while they're stuck at home. Very nice. You are listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WR710 iHeartRadio. There's never been a better time to 
start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. I want to say thanks to everybody who came, and I want to run through their websites one more time. So we had Anita with this fabulous toffee. I've never tasted anything like it. Anita, how can people find the Amelia Toffee Company? We are on Facebook and we're on Instagram under Amelia Toffee. And our website is ameliatoffee.com. And we'd love to share some of our goodness with all of you. And then we had Jess with Omni, A-H-M. NI.co, which is just fabulous. A way for corporations to retain employees with young children and employees to keep working. I love it. Improving family relationships. Right. And then we had Marty and Brett Michelson with hastybaker.com and their game Go Chuckle based after cooking shows and kids just go crazy. If your kids watch a cooking show, you want this game. But so. they're not real recipes, so don't try it. At <laughs> yeah. And then our guest was Gene Marks, who you can find at genemarks.com. And if you have a small or medium-sized business and need some help, definitely reach out to Gene. He's excellent and he's excellent at helping people find money. <laughs> Gene, such a pleasure to have you on. I really enjoy having you and you always bring out things that I think are really great for our audience. So no, I appreciate that. And my takeaways is that we all just like to take a step back and remember that we are talking now. We are not done with this pandemic. There could be a second wave. I mean, it's we're in the middle of it all right now. We will look back even on June of 2020 and be like, oh my God, do you remember that hot mess that we were involved in? And in the middle of all of that, we have two guys that have invented a game, but they're growing with it. You know, you've got this wonderful woman down in Florida who was making toffee and selling it around the country, around the world probably. I forgot to ask Anita if that's the case, but I mean, just a great company. You got Jess who's running this growing company with a really innovative idea for providing childcare for corporations. I mean, talk about feeling like a market need. So we'll be fine. The country will be fine. The economy will be fine. And uh, entrepreneurism will be fine as well. And talking with these guys makes me feel a lot better about the world. I mean, the world will never be the same. And we've learned so much and we're going in new directions now. And entrepreneurs and small businesses are leading the charge. And I just have to give a shout out to our producer, Noah Fleischman at iHeart, who takes these Zoom recordings and turns them into a radio show on iHeart Radio in New York City and on the app and worldwide online. And thank you to uh, Kenya Gibson, to our media maven, and all of the folks at iHeart Media for their continued support during these COVID times. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart, Passage to Profit on iHeartRadio, WOR 710, the voice of New York.